You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. All right. Now what? Now you open that beautiful can sitting <laughs> okay. in front of you. All right. <laughs> I think the line is, before we get into it, let's, let's get something let's, to drink. Let's indeed get something to drink. I got it on my side, so I'll open this today. Oh, uh, today we are cracking open. Today we are opening an interesting uh, collaboration here. It's called Two Evil Pachamama Porter. It's a collaboration between Two Roads Brewing, Evil Twin, and Cerveceria Barbarian from Lima, Peru. It is a 6.5% ABV porter. Um, they note that it is a Peruvian-style porter and that it pays homage to Incan heritage by using three local Peruvian staple foods. So it's brewed with sweet potato, purple maize or purple corn, which is really just another name for blue corn, uh, as well as ahi panca chili, which is a deep red to burgundy pepper. Um, they're usually about three to five inches long. Um, it's the second most common pepper in Peru, interestingly enough, and is grown near the coast. In terms of heat, uh, it actually comes in at about 500 scovilles. And if you want some comparison, um, I looked it up and a jalapeno starts at about 2,500 scovilles. So it's pretty mild. Yeah, really mild. Pretty mild, Sur- chili. surprisingly mild. Um, so it probably is going to impart a, a definitely more peppery, like not spice character, but of the 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 pepper flesh the like kind of you know astringent pepper i look forward uh, to the flavor more than i look forward to any heat that's for sure now i have tried a ahi amarillo pepper Mm -hmm. which is like the i believe what would be considered the yellow version of this uh more than likely related in some way Uh, it looks here i'm I'm doing a little bit of a, a google search it's a peruvian hot pepper um, this one in particular is known as the ahi yellow or yellow chili, also known as ahi escabiche or escabeche, another common kind of variant, it seems, of this one. Yeah. I've used this in salsas before, and it can be pretty hot, uh, depending on which one this you is, get. This is the yellow one, not, this the, is the, yellow. not yeah. the um one that's in this beer, right? Yeah, that's correct. How do you feel about chili beers? I like them. Oh. I like them especially um, in either a porter, a stout, or an IPA. Okay. So I love a good habanero sculpin. Uh, I like... Uh, there was one that I had from Evil... No. Who did I have that from recently? Um, let me pull it up real quick because there was some debate on my untapped check-in as to whether or not I was either my palate was wrecked or whether or not I got uh, part of the 25% that was just not hot at all. And then another percentage that was just blast your tongue. I can't, I can't handle the heat that comes behind it. I'm like, oh, this tastes really good. Now my throat is burning. Boy, that feeling when you think the beer you had was one of the last five, at least, that you had. Oh, no, you've been nope. clocking so many lately. Nope, 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 nope. All right, so the one I had was actually another evil twin beer. Um, it was called You're in the Jungle, Baby, with an exclamation point. Did I, <laughs> did I say that one right? You're in the Jungle, Baby. There's no comma, though. It's not. Anyway, You're in the Jungle, Baby. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. It's a uh, imperial stout with pasilla chili, honey, tangerine peel, and cocoa nibs. It was in a small little 12-ounce um, can. Okay. Uh, 
it looks almost like it's got um like leopard print on the outside but it's not it's not leopard print um this was a collaboration with jackie o's brewing and rumor has it according to to my check-in comments from folks having a, a brief discussion in there about it some folks had this beer that was real real spicy one of our moderators says that uh this beer is a lottery they made 25% hot as hell and 75% medium heat. Oh no, that's so dangerous. Distributed <laughs> randomly. So I don't know if this was... I'm uh, not a fan of that. I don't know if it was purposefully uh, spiced up mm. differently. Probably knowing knowing Evil Twin and, yeah. and how they brew beers. That's pretty funny um, though. It, yeah. So that... Yeah. I really liked that one in particular. Okay. This one... Um, it's it got some other things. Much, yeah, it comes in a much bigger can. I'm expecting... A c- more like rounded flavors yeah a little i think it's gonna have a little bit more of the sweetness because maize tends to have that a little I bit smell pepper do you I, okay yeah you can s- smell a little bit in there have you ever microwaved a pepper no i don't so it's kind of a it's sort of a life hack here we're talking about life hacks at lunch so a little <laughs> sort of a life hack here you if you're looking to kind of soften your peppers and be able to dry peppers okay. specifically mm-hmm. to be able to uh, cut them up, dice them, put them in salsas, you'll want to pop them in the microwave for a few seconds to soften up the the super hard uh, dried peppers. Because, you know, when you get them from the like uh, Mexican food aisle or the ethnic food section, um, it, they'll be in the bags and they'll be rock hard. Oh, yeah. It's like, you, like leather. You, yeah. You can't do anything. Well, it's worse than leather. Oh, okay. it's, it's like hard super hard completely dry somehow putting them in the microwave softens them up enough to be able to manipulate them for a time um either put them in your food processor or whatever um and then you're able to to kind of deal with them there but that's i guess all i'm getting at is that's the smell i get from this is that moment when i open the microwave and i get this like um almost like eye burning sensation (laughs) of pepper like pepper smell and 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 hotness all right um, that's in the air now that we've talked about it can we taste it yeah please (laughs) it's it was really carbonated when i poured it in the glass um and i get a lot of bubbles that are coming out of at a solution here i i don't know that's really mellow but it it makes it so smooth and pretty dry still yeah it's it's dry the aftertaste on it is leaving my mouth pretty dry. Yeah. That's I'm, for sure. But it's... Now, the sweet potatoes are what interest me uh, the most. Because when you think sweet potato beer, you, you're like, it's Thanksgiving here in the U.S. And <laughs> it's, you know, yam beers oh, and man. pumpkin spice latte beers and, and things like that. Yeah, and not I at all. I don't get any of that from this. It's uh, maybe a, a slight earthiness and kind of... um. If you've ever roasted a sweet potato and kind of that that almost uh, metallic earthiness that you get from a sweet potato, like that, like the the parts that are oozing out, yeah, you know, no, I get I get what you're saying there. It and I'm not getting any heat off of this either, oh, which no, I enjoy quite a bit. <laughs> so what what's your aversion to to hot beers? It's I think a, it's just that it's confusing because you're like, oh, this tastes like a really good insert beer here. Mm-hmm. And then my throat's on fire afterwards. Hmm. Like so, if I have so a hot it's the, salsa. It's the, like lingering in the back. Yeah, it's that, that lingering heat that always bothers me. Got it. 
And I guess it just really depends on the kind of pepper or chili that's being used in there. Because if it's something that's hotter, habanero or jalapeno, etc., um, then obviously the more the heat in there, the more it's going to bug me. Um, it is. I do like it better in a darker beer, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Because it implies a lot more sweetness, I think, yes. um, it, it, and it roasty helps. character. And the ones that I think I've had have either, either had like coffee or cocoa nibs or something in there that helps kind of balance it out. Mm-hmm. This one, though, um, no heat. Um, Again, the, I'm just, I can't get over how smooth. It's and, very smooth. It, yeah. There's... It's got a little bit of a sweetness to it, but it's also very rich. Not rich necessarily in like the viscosity, but just rich in terms of the flavor profile. I just feel like the the instant it hits my tongue, it it like fluffs up, if you would. Something about the like I, I don't know, it being light or it being it just all the bubbles just immediately. Is there something wrong with my tongue? Maybe <laughs> I wonder if the heat's gonna come out as it warms because I feel like now that I'm actually having it a little bit more, mm-hmm. I, I kind of. Maybe it's in my head. Maybe I'm maybe I'm conjuring it myself, but I feel like I can get a little bit more heat the more that we let it sit out. Hmm. Hmm. So this will be you, interesting. Do you get any blue corn? I haven't had a lot of blue corn in my life, so really? I couldn't say. Oh man, talking about chips and salsa. If yeah. you're if you're gonna do any sort of salsa chip accompaniment, it's gotta be blue corn. I that, that's the only place I could think of blue corn. <laughs> <laughs> being or uh, blue corn tamales maybe yeah you, uh i also like uh sopes made out of blue corn there it's like a, a small little disc at the bottom oh, okay oh so good so 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 good uh oh, man yeah this is this is really good I, i'm liking this a lot one last interesting fact to leave you with on this um since the ingredients were provided by mother earth the name of the beer is a tribute for pachamama or the earth mother of incan mythology that's really cool yeah, I like how it just it completely brought in all I mean, of that. Got, yeah, it's got kind of that that look on the front too, mm-hmm. sort of you know, very geometric uh, motherly figure yes. there on the front. That's cool. The integration of the ingredients and the name and the mythology, it it all comes together really well. Have any of you had this one? Let us know what you thought on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by tagging us at Untapped. All right, let's look at some of the more recent updates to the Untapped app. Recently, we released version 3.2.8 of the Untapped app on iOS and Android, and we added a couple of small improvements um, and a number of bug fixes. One of the first improvements that we included was adding brewery ratings to the map tab. That has a view of both breweries and venues, both verified and unverified venues um, that you can see in your local area. You can also search different places uh, by city or state or zip code in that map. But we added brewery ratings to the brewery section of that map just to give folks a a better understanding of where that brewery ranks as related to other breweries on Untapped. It's nice to have a little extra information when you're looking for a brewery to visit. Yeah. I definitely, whenever I go somewhere new, I pop that open and check verified venues as well as breweries. Especially when you're in an area that has a lot of different breweries, you're yes. trying to decide what to hit up first. Yep. Um, it's a, it should be a good indicator to quickly browse and, and see what's available nearby. We also added a prompt to reconnect your Facebook account after check-in. So this is for folks during check-in who had sharing to Facebook already turned on by default. Uh, we'll need to re-authenticate your right access to your Facebook account 
and then we'll be able to post your check-ins to Facebook due to there on. I assume this is due to Facebook's recent um, privacy changes. It is. It is. And you've probably seen a lot of other uh, applications out there updating their privacy uh, settings. So we had to re-authenticate with Facebook to be able to post on your behalf to your Facebook timeline. And that is what uh, hopefully is, is now fixed for everyone. We also included a number of different fixes to the settings section, which we rolled out in 3.2.7. This includes the missing map and scanning default options. So you can say whether you want to use NFC or the optical UPC scanner and which map application you'd like to use, whether Google Maps or to ask every time. We also added a few other settings that were missing, including date and time settings uh, being renamed to localization and the missing length option that was on localization. So that has also been re-added. We also fixed automatic posting to Swarm, and we fixed a couple of location prompts on the Maps tab uh, that were causing some confusion. So that's all fixed Excellent. in 3.2.8. Uh, we recommend updating as soon as possible and uh, to get the best experience from the Untapped app. You can always see a full list of the updates that we've made to the Untapped app by going to updates.untapped.com or going to the settings section and tapping the product updates button. All right, now it's time to look at some sponsored badges that we've recently added to Untapped. The first badge we have up here is the hashtag Adopt Iceland badge. This is coming to us from Einstock, Iceland's number one craft brewery. Uh, they're inviting all football fans, soccer for those of you who are in the United States, <laughs> uh, without a team to hashtag adopt Iceland uh, this year. That, that would be us. Yes. That's, we're missing from the World Cup. Yes, that is very sad. Uh, so Iceland um, qualified for the World Cup for the first time this year. And in honor of the uh, team's tremendous feat, Einstock has created a special edition white ale bottle for you to go and check out and enjoy. You can unlock this badge with one check-in to any beer from Einstock between June 1st and July 1st. That's very cool. I love Einstock's branding. I am excited to, to earn this one. The next badge we have up for you is Fat Tire Fridays. That is coming back for another year. Wind down at the end of the week with a craft classic. Fat Tire Fridays are all about getting together with friends and celebrating the week behind you with Fat Tire. This badge can be unlocked by checking into one Fat Tire Belgian style ale or Belgian white on Friday between May 11th and August 31st. There are several levels to this, uh, four to be exact. So you can continue enjoying these two great beers uh, on three different Fridays to earn up to four levels. Once you unlock all four levels, you will be qualified to win a limited edition New Belgium Fat Tire bike. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's like those big, it's it's like the one you see on the um, Fat Tire bottles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or big, cans. Yeah, or get cans. Get there we go. Cans the, the big wheels. Yeah. Nice and red. Fat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And I mean, as in terms of craft classic, that was one of the earliest craft beers that I had. Yeah, yeah, I saw it at a uh, barbecue this weekend. I was like, this, this is this is the one I'm going for. You're at Absolutely. the right. You're at the right barbecue. Yep, yep. <laughs> Our friend John Holzer from the Four Brewers Podcast is back with some great home brewing tips and tricks for you. Here's John with more. 
Hey everyone, John here from Four Brewers and I'm back with today's homebrew tip. Today we're gonna briefly talk about dry hopping. If you don't know what dry hopping is, it's when you take dry hops and you add them to your finished beer. There are a couple of different ways you can do this and there aren't really any rules for doing this, but there are some best practices. The number one thing I can recommend for dry hopping the traditional way is to take your beer off of your yeast cake. So you've already fermented your beer, you have everything dropped out, it's sitting at the bottom of the fermenter and it's about an inch thick of this uh, trub and uh, finished yeast. Uh, you wanna take your beer off of that with an auto siphon and put it into a different container. The reason you wanna do this is because you want to add the hops to the liquid and then rouse the liquid every couple days or so. This keeps the hops in suspension and you get more of the aromatics and flavors from those hops that you want from dry hopping. You can add hops in primary fermentation where you just put them directly on top of the beer on top of the yeast, that's perfectly fine. But when you go to rouse the beer, you might have issues with it going back into fermentation because you're putting the yeast back in suspension also, and you may or may not want that. And this leads me to my third way of dry hopping beer. This is a newer technique that a lot of hazy IPA makers are uh, utilizing when dry hopping beer. It's when you add hops in the middle of primary fermentation. So you've added your yeast, your beer is going, it is fermenting, you know, it's moving around. You take those hops and you dump them in. Sometimes you do it three different times. And the reason you wanna do this is because, like I said earlier, you wanna keep those hops in suspension. So if you put your beer in a secondary fermenter and move it around every couple of days, those hops will get back in suspension. Well, if you add the hops during primary fermentation, the yeast is already moving the beer around. Like that liquid is literally moving. So you add hops to that, it's gonna move those hops around too. Now, the only risk to this is those hops can cling to the yeast cells and drag those yeast cells down. And you wanna make sure you pitch appropriately to accommodate that. Uh, but generally speaking, a lot of breweries are doing this lately with hazy IPAs and that's how they're getting this massively fruity, juicy flavor from these hops. They're wringing them out for all they can get from these hops by putting them in in primary fermentation. So those are my quick tips for dry hopping. Of course, it's a much more complicated process. There's many different ways you can go about doing it depending on what kind of fermenter you have and what kind of equipment you have and what kind of hops you're using and whatnot. You could use whole leaf hops to dry hop. You can use pellet hops to dry hop. Um, there's many different ways and combinations to do this, but these are my three quick tips on dry hopping and we'll see you next time. You can catch more from John and the whole Four Brewers crew over at fourbrewers.com or subscribe to their show wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code podcast at checkout and get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com, coupon code podcast to get 20% off. All right, let's move on to our style of the week segment and take a look at this week's featured beer style. Here's Tim with more. This week, we're going to be taking a look at the Porter, since that is also what we are drinking. Yeah. I know we got some feedback about trying to tie them together, so <laughs> I'm doing my best to make that happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is good. So the porter originates from the early 18th century. Before the porter, beer was brewed on a smaller scale, kind of limited to homes and brew pubs. And then eventually facing competition for customers, London brewers improved the quality of their beer, making what they called an improved brown beer. 
This new brown beer was well-brewed with more hops and aged longer, and eventually became known as the Porter. Uh, The name was coined due to the new beer's popularity amongst porters, which are people who carried goods around the city. I've always wondered about that. That's that's not really a a term that we have here for for folks moving things around. Uh, Delivery driver, maybe, you know, Domino's man, whatever. (laughs) kind of all we have a long day of hauling goods and you need a nice uh pizza porter need a nice beer well a pizza porter would be a different thing yes <laughs> i mm, mm. now everybody had a teleporter that brought them pizza instantly now we're getting into the back of the future with okay. the mini pizzas uh, uh, well you said a teleporter though is that someone who delivers phones anyway doesn't matter we're talking about the beer porter exactly <laughs> The newfound popularity of the porter coincided perfectly with the Industrial Revolution in London. So, as you can imagine, at this point, there's lots of money, lots of revolution, lots of building of businesses. The sky was kind of this color at that point, right? <laughs> yes, of this dark, dark porter, yes. Yeah, yeah. All that smoke coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, at this time, massive breweries were built, um, which increased the availability of beer. Well, I'm sure the Industrial Revolution, too, kind of impacted the brewing industry in, in a way that was not foreseen uh, prior to that. You know, small town breweries, uh, equipment was probably pretty small, but now at scale, you're able to, you know, grow and, and support that type of brewing development. That, that is precisely it. Um, the increased availability of steam-powered engines to power um, and cool during the brewing process um, allowed for beer to be brewed year-round. Uh, and this was the beginning of the true commercial brewing era, which is exactly what you were kind mm-hmm. of alluding to there. Mm-hmm. Uh, brewers took advantage of new trade routes during this uh, point as well, which would uh, allow their beer to be transported throughout England, Ireland, and Scotland. Um, which meant that it was available in far more places than it had been before. With the uh, increasing popularity and availability of porters from London, um, brewers outside the city were pushed to the verge of bankruptcy, um, mostly because the porter style hadn't really made its way out until this point in time. Uh, And those outer breweries had to find a way to overcome, and so they also began brewing porters as well. Hmm. At that point, I'm unfamiliar with how like large those cities would be outside of London. To me, it seems like, I mean, you go to any big city these days, San Francisco, 50 miles away from that, and it's flat. There, (laughs) there is nothing. So I'm trying to think of, you know, what what would they have to do to pull folks away from the city to be able to, you know, well, entice them out there in a time when the pub was one of the centers of, you know, city life, I would think. Um, and with pubs all brewing their own individualistic things, because there's not really one centralized brewer doing, you know, widely distributed beers. Mm -hmm. Um, now you've got these large, massive breweries, thanks to, you know, the increase in power and availability to, brew faster in year round those start making their way out and overtaking consumption of beer probably at this point too went up you know dramatically (laughs) thinking especially thinking about like availability and having it all year round if you are expecting like i don't know i'll just go have a pint but no we've got you know kegs and kegs and kegs and kegs back here of more beer okay uh the availability of this just makes it that much uh, easier, cheaper, mm. 
um, and, and probably led to the growth of a whole bunch of other styles, including the porter. And that's exactly it. Um, I, I was just about to mention that as the porter spread out to these more outlying cities, um, more regionally specific um, styles branched off of that, including like brown ales um, and stouts, um, which are very similar. Um, a while back, we had a question come in that was, what's the difference between porters and stouts? And we went into a lot of background, but I decided to pull it back out for the show. Okay. Um, and the idea is that stouts are really just like a, a stronger porter. Um, but anyway, that, that all branched out of this whole movement of the beer across. Like, what more can we do to, <laughs> to make this uh, more interesting for folks? So exactly. They, yeah. Th- there's, you know, and there's always in different regions, different ingredients. As I feel like we just keep repeating, but there's always different ingredients, different ways of brewing things. Right. And those always tend to make their way into whatever styles caught but, at the moment. But it seems as though like London, especially being the hotbed for the industrial revolution and, and all of the changes that came with it. Um, this was something that benefited directly from, from that whole revolution. Oh, for um, sure. Hmm. Uh, in Ireland, Guinness was brewing only Porter early in the 19th century. Um, they eventually became well known for their stout Porter, um, which was just a stronger version of the Porter. Um, and then within a century, Guinness became the largest brewery in the world. I mean, that every, I feel as though everyone who knows beer knows Guinness. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, hey, there's something that hasn't died out since the, the advent of it. That <laughs> sort of stayed, stayed here the whole time. Don't, don't speak too soon, okay? Oh, no. Um, porters were the beer of choice in the 19th century, but eventually they were overshadowed by pale ales and pilsners, which became the hot thing of that time. <laughs> Here we go. Here, here, following our pattern, uh, due to restrictions on industry during the First World War, production of porters dropped even further. And then by the 1940s, porters had almost vanished from England. Oh, man. I I feel like it's my fault now. I feel like I said something too early. (laughs) Now, can we take a guess as to how the rest of this story plays out? I think we can. Yeah, I think it came back. Around the same time, a handful of breweries on the east coast of the U.S. began making porters, um, one of which was actually Yingling. Um, The style eventually made a comeback in the hands of microbrewers, both in the U.S. and in the U.K. Um, And it's a favorite due to its sheer versatility. It's a pretty versatile um, style. You can add things to it manipulate it change it around yeah um it's a pretty pretty solid style to experiment with the stout is kind of again with the versatility um it's strong and soothing enough to you know enjoy during cold weather mm-hmm. to help kind of warm you up but it's also not so overpowering and thick to be something you wouldn't want during warmer weather. Like you could enjoy it during kind of some warm weather as well because it's it's refreshing. It's not like drinking motor oil. Or it's not sticky. Yeah. Really, it, it's, it doesn't have so much sugar in it that it just feels like it's, you know, like like dark Kool-Aid. Or, exactly. You know, yeah. Agreed. Um, let's, let's dig back into the porter we have right now because I think mine's warmed up a little bit. Sure. Been, tra- been trying to... Hold on to the glass a little bit here and uh, and warm this up. I did notice my my glass is empty now, but I did notice as I kept going. Um, oh, there's a little more. Yes, perfect. I did notice as I kept going. I feel like a little bit more of the chili was jumping out. Uh, again, I could be making it up. Might be in my head. Anything? It's really interesting because um, w- while 
it's almost become a little more savory. And yeah, it is. It is definitely savory. Um, oh yeah. But the but the 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 mouthfeel I get is is still very. It's cool still. It's it. It's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the dryness, or maybe it it is the um, like slight bitterness in it. Um, I for some reason there are these citrusy notes that are also coming out. Like I don't want to call it thin because I feel like right. thin tends to have a negative connotation, and this is definitely not a negative. But it's it it it's very smooth. It's not warming up the same way that I expect a barrel aged stout or um. A, a darker beer typically would warm yeah. up where the alcohol becomes more pronounced mm-hmm. and things like that. It's no, I it, feel it like, is definitely not that. I feel like the components are actually becoming more pronounced again. Yes. Like it, it's getting a little more earthy, a little more savory. Mm-hmm. I feel like the independent ingredients seem to be popping a little bit more. I still don't get much corn. <laughs> um, if, if at all, but maybe the, the like corn sugars, um, the, the flavor from that uh, corn is a very distinct flavor, you know, yes, and when is. you, when you have like corn flavored things, uh, corn chips, or you have, uh, things that are artificially corn flavored corn ice cream is also a, a, a that's a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Really good. Uh, I love, I love corn ice cream, but I don't get any of that lingering, uh, flavor on there. And I guess that can be a good thing for a beer. All right, let's look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. The first article we have here comes from fatherly.com. The shower beer is the best beer for you, according to science. Uh, does science really say that <laughs> that shower beers are good for you? I feel like there is part of the shower experience that a any any level of intoxication would be bad for, right? Like slipping well, or... Well, sure, we're talking... We're know, not talking getting intoxicated we're talking enjoying (laughs) responsibly okay all right makes sense yeah this it's what uh, does science say science says um that having a beer after a long stressful day releases feel-good chemicals in the brain like you know uh, endorphins and dopamine um if you're drinking responsibly you already know this you you, we all kind of know after you have a a beer you you kind of can mellow out a little bit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but now this article goes on to say that you can now punch up the entire experience by sipping in the shower. Now I'm I'm I, this is just a guess. Uh, it's gotta maybe do with the heat. Does the heat have something to do with it? Would I would assume that a bath then would be just as as effective. But did they? Mm. Mm. They, they, the did not the dis- they did not debate between bath and shower, but okay. personally, I could see the shower, the constantly running warm water and relaxing in the steam. Mm-hmm. I see that being more of a thing. So here's a quote really quick in the article. Um, the shower beer is actually a great way to improve productivity and creativity, uh, Dr. Christopher Hollingsworth of the New York City Surgical Associate says. Showers are a great way to release dopamine, and adding one drink to that can assist your creative juices due to your relaxed mindset. So the idea is that, you know, a warm, a nice warm shower, running water, mm-hmm. relaxing in that. Because I know after a long day, if I'm out walking or working, nice warm shower really helps. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that, that relaxed feeling of like the endorphins and dopamine kind of coming out. And if then you combine that with what you would get from sipping on a beer, that combination is nice. Personally, I like a hot shower and a very cold beer together. It's a nice sensation there. Um, reward centers of the brain were first identified in the 1950s when scientists realized that stimulating a region of the rat brain known as the nucleus uh, accumbens released an addictive amount of dopamine. 
It wasn't until 2012 that scientists looked at human brains and found that alcohol uh, floods the pleasure centers with endorphins. Okay. So the, the it's this whole like reward system, it seems, that combining the two rewarding feelings yes. en- ends up being kind of okay so it doesn't it has, has nothing to do with really the fact that the beer is cold yes. and the shower is Mul- warm. multiple studies have shown that showers help people think relax and maximize their creativity and i can attest to that like thinking and creative ideas like, there's, there's a whole subreddit dedicated to shower thoughts shower yes so i i i understand i i totally get it it's like the the phenomenon of uh, trying to fall asleep and then thinking of things and having like a notepad right next to the bed so that you can write stuff down without you know, a waterproof whiteboard. They've got those. They have a uh, shower notes. Oh, um, it's it's some sort of like Tyvek vinyl okay. type paper um, and a what looks to be like a grease pencil, so you okay. can kind of write on the notes in the shower, like something a scuba diver might have. Sure, yeah, underwater, yeah. Did you take classes under what's no, going no. on? No, no. I mean, I, there's you've have, I've seen it. I've, you, you have scuba divers. They it's usually I think it's like a laminate. Usually it's like a plastic thing, and you have um like a grease pencil, and the grease marks off because grease and water like it's going to stick to the surface of the laminate. You're looking this up. You you are absolutely correct. Yes. I, so this looks to be like for some sort of marine research. I've got an image here. I'll, I'll we'll put this in the show notes, but it is. Someone in full scuba getup, diving next to a sunken ship, writing notes. I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, a beer in this situation seems like a really bad idea. So it seems like you're right. You take one really nice, relaxing, dopamine-inducing thing, add another relaxing, dopamine-inducing thing, and maybe it's double the dopamine. Mm-hmm. Either way, double it is enjoyable. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. The article does also note that it is important to realize that, you know, too many beers is going to have a negative effect on you and to make sure that you enjoy responsibly, um, especially while showering, mm-hmm. so you don't slip and fall. Yeah, it's a good idea. Good advice. All right, next up, we've got an article from atlasobscura.com entitled Groot Ale. Brewers are replacing hops with sweet aromatic herbs to resurrect this extinct beer. That, that is a story that we know all too well here on this podcast, uh, reviewing the different styles of beer and seeing that they've, they've kind of come and gone over the last, uh, what, century, millennia? <laughs> yeah. All right. So you've sipped IPAs, chugged stouts, the article says, and savored porters as we are right now. But have you tried a Groot Ale? I guess not like the, the the tree character from Guardians of the Galaxy. I am Groot. The article says you may not have heard of it, but Groot Ale was the go-to beer in the Middle Ages, and it's now making a comeback. This beer recipe substitutes hops with other botanicals, which infuse Groot Ales with a piquancy and sweetness. The article says some of the herbs used sound like ingredients you'd need for Harry Potter's potion class, including mugwort, ground ivy, and Sweet Gale. It does sound like it, it would be a spell of, of sorts. Others may be more familiar with names such as ginger, anise, and juniper berries. I know that I've had uh, cocktails with juniper berries. Those are really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, ginger. Star anise. Yep, star um, anise. Ginger. All those. Those yeah. are pretty pop- Exactly as it says. Those are very popular herbs. Groot was once the default beer style, but that changed with the purity law known as Rheingeistbot from 1516. 
which stated beer could only be made with hops, water, and barley. It was resurrected in the 1990s by microbrewers in the United States and London. The article asks, so what does group beer taste like? Since the herbal profile changes from recipe to recipe, you'll find a diversity of flavors, but one thing that group drinkers note across the board is overall sweetness, which I wouldn't expect from something that was like herbed very, very specifically with things like ginger or uh, stuff you would associate with being really kind of earthy. Um, True, and- but you think about you think about the brewing process. The alcohol is created by the sugars and that sweetness, and usually you have to add the hops to kind of balance that out. So you take right. the hops out. What are you left with? Well, the, the I guess what's missing from the hops are the alpha acids, right? That so would be all, true. Yeah, all of that that would be in there from from a beer, um, and how that imparts the the nucleic acid uh, profile mm-hmm. of a beer. I don't know. I don't know what parts of herbs can contribute those same types of tastes or those same types of chemicals to a beer. Uh, but I assume that they may be still present, but in different quantities or different types. If you use say flowering plants or, uh, an herb like ginger, which is technically a root. So how, you know, what kind of, it feels like you you're know, getting chemicals are you getting out of that? It feels like you're getting more into like tea blending territory of like different blends of teas together. Yeah. Um, there was a, now I'm going to blank on the name. Give me one sec while I look it up. There is an alcohol in Argentina called Fernet. Um, and it's listed as (laughs) something, uh, according to the Atlantic.com, something your grandparents would drink. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. But it's, it is a herbal libation, yeah. Um, that you can mix with uh, cola or is is just, again, a, an herb-based alcohol. I believe beverage. I've had cocktails with this in it, actually, mm-hmm. now that I think about mm-hmm. it. There's another one that I'm I'm trying to think of, and I can't remember the name of it. It is Aqua, Aquavit. It is a Norwegian distilled spirit that is principally produced in Scandinavia since the 15th century, distilled from grain and potatoes, and flavored with a variety of herbs. So okay. I, I have tried this as well. There's a place in Orange County, uh, Santa Ana, called the Blinking Owl that does just uh, vodkas, uh, hard alcohol. And they, I did this tasting flight. Uh, not my thing. Uh, I, hard, hard, <laughs> hard to say that I, I would have enjoyed it. Sort of pure and uh, for for the the uh, distilling prowess sure. that, that they have there. Beautiful place. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful setup. Uh, but they had Aquavit, which is, I guess, one that is not that popular in the U.S., but is something that is really popular in Scandinavia um, that had a lot of herbal character to it um, and was kind of almost sweet. Whether that was from the grain and potatoes portion of it or whether that was from from the actual herbs themselves, I guess I, I wouldn't know. But it, they have caraway, dill, uh, spices, herbs, things like that in there. So I'd be really interested to try um, a group beer. Put it on the list? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one we should probably cover, too, eventually, just to see a little bit of the history. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that has... Came. I can only imagine that, being that it was the go-to in the Middle Ages, I can't even imagine how deep that history goes. Yeah. And then when it dies out, and then when it came back. And then, yeah, and then, of course, we need to cover it. Oh, yeah. 
All right, the next article up we've got here is from 10news.com. They say San Diego Padres begin their beer hawking service for fans at Petco Park. Have you been to Petco Park? I haven't, but I hear they're giving out leather gloves so that you don't get hurt when the hawk lands with your beer. Wait, 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 wait. There's a hawk at the stadium. It's it's beer hawking, right? Doesn't the hawk deliver your beer to you? Hey, okay, all right, okay, hold on. (laughs) Am I being (laughs) outpunned? I feel like I'm being outpunned. Okay, so... (laughs) I will say it, it, it not surprising only uh, because that whole area is sort of the marina slash uh, coastal area of San Diego. There are a lot of birds down there, mostly seagulls, maybe a hawk, could could be a hawk. But in any case, <laughs> 10news.com says Padres fans will no longer have to leave their seats to get a beer during a game. Uh-oh. Birds, birds incoming. <laughs> the team announced a new hawking service for fans that are over 21 years old. The service is made possible by a recent amendment to Petco Park's liquor license. It's the first of its kind in California in over 35 years, and it'll help alleviate congestion at concessions, which offer the convenience of in-seat service in all sections. So if you've ever been, I mean, okay, let me, let me talk in terms that you would understand as a Dodger fan. When you go down to the the lower section, the the place where you've got the actual tables uh, there in front of of your seats, yes. that's like right behind home plate, right? Mm-hmm. So in that section, uh, you can get food delivered to you. Sure. And typically, it's you know someone walks down the aisle, they ask, "What would you like?" It's it's basically the same folks who are in the super bright green getup with the stand in, of in, cotton in, candy or penis get, get beer. Get your beer here. Yeah, they're they're yelling. They're not. They're nice and quiet. <laughs> they kneel down next to you and they say, "What would you like?" And you order off the list. Um, See, I that's guess, the fancy pants version I, of this. I know, I know. But you can probably also do it from an app now, which I think is is a really cool way to do it. You just I, this is the seat I'm in. Come deliver it to my 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 seats, please. Mm-hmm. So this this is a huge huge change at Petco. Instead of it being just the, the like kind of elite behind the plate uh, seats, this is the entire stadium. I don't think I would ever leave. I would sit in my seat the entire. It game. would be magical because usually, if you're th- if you're talking Dodgers, like you've got peanuts, you've got yeah. um, you got the ice cream, you've got uh, Dodger dogs. Dodger dogs are usually coming down. Yeah. Now, if you got the beer there, I have no reason to get up anymore. Yeah. Well, and and more than likely, you're getting the selection that is at the concession stands too. Hopefully, you're. Well, I would assume that that I. It depends. Are they going and taking an order, or are they just coming through with pre-filled cups of whatever the biggest, cheapest macro beer is? Because that's what I picture as a guy with a cart now, full see of that, beer. But see, that happens already. That happens currently. One of the cool things. So I went to a a. a but ja- how, that happens currently. Yeah, I don't see anyone ever delivering beer. Oh yeah. No, not at part. Well, if this is the first of its kind in thirty-five years in California, then it's not here. So. <laughs> Let me let me let me set this up. Okay. So story at, time with Kyle. When you're at <laughs> baseball story time. You when you're at a stadium and you are any anywhere, anywhere in that stadium, the the people in the um like bright green shirts and, and pants and stuff are walking up and down asking if you want peanuts, cotton candy, and they've got beer. Now the beers can either come draft from from like a keg that they're wearing in a backpack on their back, or they will have just a, a number of different cups. You're kidding? Um, and no, and and uh, 
like a like a 24 ounce Budweiser will be in a can. They'll pop open the can. They'll pour it out into a plastic cup and hand you the cup. Okay, this definitely isn't here. I've never seen this before. So interesting. It's it it is. Where I, where? Tell me where you've seen this. Dodger Stadium. No. Petco Park. No. Yeah. Well, I've never been to Petco Park. I can't speak to that. <laughs> I've I've been to many a Dodger game and never seen somebody bringing beer around. Now, I wonder if that's a recent well, change. Okay. Okay. So, what, what, so just to make sure to... that we're clear on the joke here, the hawking is referring to the people that are bringing the stuff around. Yes. Okay. Let's yes. just let's make they're, sure we're they're bringing, all... Okay. So... <laughs> so if this is the first beer hawking service, and I think you're cuckoo. I don't know. I'm just... I'm next, just saying. Next article. <laughs> Either way, this is amazing, and I love it. Yeah, I, I would love to get out to a game. Uh, can I now? The, the next question is: Can I get a souvenir baseball helmet with beer? Because if I can get a souvenir baseball helmet big. with nachos in it, yeah, I want one with ice beer. cream. Yeah, you want one with beer? Okay, all right. It, Petco drinking Park. that would be interesting, though. It'd be difficult. You would have to a straw, maybe. But we or, we've already discussed drinking beer with straw. Can't, be, I can't, do, can't that. do beer with a straw. You could. Um, Maybe out the like the where the, the ear, ear hole, yeah, where the ear hole is, just out the <laughs> right out that side. Petco Park actually has one of the the best um, craft beer options that I've ever seen. I know uh, Ballast Point, I believe, has a restaurant there. Stone has a restaurant there. Alesmith has a uh, has a bunch of different bottles that you can get from there. Um, craft beer culture, obviously, in San Diego is huge, and oh, yeah. Petco Park tries to embody a lot of that. Through a service like this, they are just going to sell an inordinate amount of of beer at this stadium. And as you would imagine, the officials at Petco Park are reminding everyone to drink responsibly and enjoy the game. The last article we have here comes from Thrillist.com. Zima is officially returning to stores nationwide for summer. You sound really excited. You know, if I had been able to find this in my grocery store this morning, <laughs> I would have brought it in for today's beer. I saw stackouts of it two weeks ago, and I went back, and there was nothing there. So it I, seems this seems like a very '90s thing, right? Did, oh, it, did is this one of those that came and went? Is it still made? Oh no, no, no! It is definitely not. This died okay. out a long time ago. All but right. uh, as the article goes to point on, they decided to try and capitalize a little bit. So the article uh, says that attempts to revive the '90s never seem to end. From TV networks rebooting sitcoms and grocery shopping-themed game shows that have been off the air for 20 years, to companies like Nintendo cashing in on the nostalgia frenzy with new versions of popular old-school consoles. Which, I mean, all that makes sense. All the cartoons I watched as a kid are suddenly coming back in some shape or form. Reboots. You got the, the, all the, you got like the Nintendo Micro System coming out where it's like the classic NES, but tiny. Yep, yep. yep. Everything's coming back. Um, 90s nostalgia is real right now. That is for sure. Where's Trapper Keeper? That's oh, it's that's somewhere, what, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I want to know. Yeah. Uh, the article goes on to say, even the world of adult beverages can't escape the craze as Zima is staging another comeback by bringing bottles of the lightly carbonated super sweet drink back to shelves across the country just in time for summer. Now, Zima is a citrus-flavored crystal clear malt beverage that made quite a splash when it was first uh, served or when it first arrived on scene in 1994. I mean, it's coming back in a very, for a very limited time, very limited being that I can't find it a week later. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. 
It's not even summer I, yet. Admittedly, I didn't do a lot of searching. I went to one place that I saw it before. So I feel, I feel like you shouldn't have to do Zima research. I feel right, like it should, just, <laughs> it should just be available. I've never had it, but I, I mean, I've had like limey malted beverages like mm-hmm. uh, Smirnoff and all that junk. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't say that I've ever had this and I can't speak to what it tastes like, but I'm hoping that I'll find it and I'll force you to enjoy one with me. I I don't have any issues with this, especially since it's a malt beverage. I mean, if it's a beer, yeah, I'm there. Yeah. Um, it it's actually the second time in as many years that uh, Zima's seen a reboot, having been reintroduced for the first time since 2008 for a fleeting moment last summer. This time, though, uh, Miller Coors is hoping to tap deeper into the 90s nostalgia by tying the drink's return to a very specific memory from the era in which it first flourished. Y2K. Oh no! Every- dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Everyone worried about uh, about the new millennium, the millennium bug. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that time. I oh, remember waiting gosh. for the next day and be like, "Oh god, the computer's gonna die." It's, yeah. What what, make what sure, are we gonna do? Make sure you turn everything off before midnight, so so that the clock doesn't. Oh my gosh, I remember those days. All right, now it's time to answer some of your questions about Untapped. If you've got any questions for us. Send them over using the hashtag AskUntapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And thanks to everyone who has sent in questions so far. Keep them coming. We appreciate it. This week's question comes from Tim B. on Twitter, and he asks, Does a beer's overall rating include ratings left by users who are private, or does it just count public ratings? That's a very good question. The answer here is yes. All ratings from both private and public accounts count towards the ratings of a beer. The overall ratings are calculated at a pure average of every rating, and in order to get a rating, a beer must have 10 or more um, ratings from check-ins. Otherwise, it will not have a rating yet. Something to note is that beer ratings update uh, every 24 hours, so we keep track of the ratings and then they all get calculated 24 hours. You can also see more about ratings and how we calculate them by going to a beers page and tapping the everyone indicator. There you'll see a list of both overall ratings and weighted ratings. You can tap the curious about our rating system button there, and that'll take you to a little bit more about how we calculate our ratings. This will include things like beer ratings, brewery ratings, and how we calculate our top beers. As a quick bonus question, Al G on Twitter also asks, how can you follow Kyle and myself on Untapped? Uh, if you want to do that and you want to follow along in our beer adventures, you can find me, uh, just search for Tim A, that is T-I-M-M, the number three H, or you can also find Kyle with his name of Kyle Roderick. A little easier there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be sure to add links to our profiles in the show notes, so if you want to quickly click over, you can do it there. Show notes are available at podcast.untapped.com, and if you have any questions for us or you've got feedback, be sure to connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Untapped Everywhere. And if you could please take a moment to head over to Apple Podcasts and give our show a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it. We always want to know what you think, and those ratings help others find our show. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.